0: Well, welcome back everyone to the Whitetail Theories podcast. Today, we're doing a short introduction of our new podcast host, Chris Decker. What's going on, Decker?
1: You know, it's uh, good to be here. This has been a little time in the making, right? So we've been going back and forth about when we could finally get together and do this and, and we're finally here. So thanks for having me. I look forward to getting to know everyone and and um you know being a part of this i think it's great and uh you do a fantastic job um i don't think you get enough credit and and i'm here you know you don't get much of an opportunity to answer questions so you know you're mostly just asking them right so i'll do my best to to ask you questions so people could also get to know a little about a little bit about you too so
0: for sure no uh so kind of like a little bit of a background uh Decker and I know each other through a mutual friend and uh Decker just recently joined Servicide, and he's been kind of listening into the podcast here for a little and he's like hey man you need somebody else to be able to add on as a as a, a co-host to help kind of alleviate like what he was saying earlier um and add a different personality and aspect to it and I thought about it for a while and I think it's going to be kind of a great interaction between both of us whereas with my personality, um, I'm a little bit more serious, and with Decker's personality, he maybe isn't quite as serious, so <laughs> there should be uh, a little bit more uh, humor involved in the podcast as well, so.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, it, it could take some time for people to get used to a little bit of my humor, but that, that's certainly what I hope to bring um, to the hunting aspect of it, because again, you know, we're all serious. And we love to hunt. And that's what, you know, that's what we're going to talk about. And that's why we're here. But there's also times to sit down and, and kind of reflect and relax and, you know, laugh.
0: So Exactly. And not quite take it so serious.
1: Right. Right. And um, I think sometimes, you know, we there is always that time where you're like, you know, especially, you know, I, I, I think back to like during the rut you know, like where we just like really don't even talk about anything besides hunting, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just your, your main focus of everything. And, and, uh, so it's, it's good to, even for you because you're just constantly on the go and I see it and, and, you know, it'll be, it'll be cool for you to kind of be able to sit back and relax sometimes too.
0: No, for sure. So, uh, let's dive into this podcast here. And like I said earlier, it's really meant to just be an introductory podcast. You'll learn more about Decker uh as we do more podcasts. You can find them on the, on the app if you wanna bounce any questions off of him, so on and so forth. But why don't you get us uh kicked off and tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into hunting, um kind of that whole background.
1: Sure. Uh you know, I grew up in a a small coal mining town in, in Pennsylvania. You know, you've you're familiar with it. You've been there, uh called Monoy City. And uh I didn't grow up in a family of hunters. You know, I had an uncle at the time that that hunted and and I could I could remember being a kid and you know playing touch football with my brother in his uh mount room you know looking up at all his mounts mm-hmm. uh elk mounts and and uh, white mounts and and uh you know it's not until now where I'm starting to pay for my own my own mounts where I could now now I know why he yelled at us when we were fooling around in that mount room right, right like right, you, right. you understand now well, he you know I got mad at him Stop, you know, why is he yelling at us? Well, now I know why, because that's, uh, he had, uh, thousands of dollars worth of mounts in that room. So, um, you know, I, I could appreciate that now, but you know, he kind of got me started and, uh, love to fish, uh, more importantly that uh, I just loved getting out there and doing that. And, uh, but hunting for me was that you got a day off of school in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania every Monday. So you know, that was, that was fun. Um, and then I would go out and, you know, I learned from friends. Their uh, friends took me out and I, I, uh, I really became close with a family up in Pennsylvania, up in Monte city there. And that, you know, they own their own business. And, and I, I couldn't go out and do all any of this by myself. So, you know, there was a guy, Bob Ryan, um, I love him to death and, and he's taught me a lot. And, uh, I started to really get into hunting, but doing drives. That's how they hunted up there from Mm -hmm. the, from the first, you know, first Monday morning till, till the last Saturday. So two weeks worth of it. And And he taught me a lot. And, um, you know, I started to really, really enjoy hunting more.
0: So let me, let me pause you there. Um, kind of with that experience and being around more or less like kind of a hunting camp where, you have multiple people participating in, in hunting or in, in the process of hunting versus like we're bow hunting. It's like you, you might be at a camp with people, but you're in the tree by yourself.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, that's a good point. You know, I fell in love with the camaraderie of, of camp. Right. So I would go up there. Not only it was great cause you got off of school, but, uh, I wanted to be part of, of the camaraderie as well. So, you know, you'd hang out in camp and you heard all the stories and the old time stories and, they were all great um archery hunting for me is more competitive in a way and um you know we all still thrive for that competitiveness but it's one-on-one right you know yeah. you still learn and you're you're gonna learn every year i've learned a lot from you I, you know i didn't really get into archery hunting until i met my wife and uh you know her her brother and uh her father and and they were big into hunting. They were also rifle hunters. So, you know, they did the old, you go up to camp on Monday morning Uh and you're, you know, everyone's up at camp and hanging out and having a good time. And, and, you know, luckily my, my brother-in-law, Steve, he, he, he realized that you're going to see more deer out in out in the woods during the rut and right. during archery season. So right. he, you know, he, he luckily did a lot of research and reading and he got out and enjoyed it and, and really said to me, Hey, you know, if you want to be serious about killing deer, um, this is the time to be out. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of how the archery aspect started. Cause you know, you're right. I, I, I didn't really have much experience other than going up and you know being part of 15 guys and putting drives and and learning how to even do that cuz there's you know there's a science to that as well for sure absolutely so, yeah so i mean that that to me was my first learning experience with hunting but uh you know it's it's been it's been great to learn a different aspect as well
0: well let's talk about that a little bit and kind of how you've evolved as, as a hunter so you, you picked up bow hunting a little bit later and like you said, it was more of like that kind of competitive one-on-one interaction where it's like you versus the animal. Which one do you potentially value more?
1: Well, you know, that's a great question because I think that I gained a love for it through the, through the way I learned uh, with everybody else but as far as harvesting an animal, I, I, I value archery more. Um, why's that? Well, I just think, you know, it's, it's a time where you're out there, you could be relaxed. Um, you're going to see more deer it, it, at least where I grew up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, there's times where, and, and, you know, I know Bob will listen to this and I'll, I'll ye- I yell at him all the time. When I first started hunting, I, I think he put me in the crappiest spots, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) so there's times out there, and you know it's later, and you're you're not dressed as warm because you might be potentially uh, doing the drive, right? And so you're sitting there; it's cold. You might not see deer. You know, it's it it, it was tough some mornings, you know. And and, but that's the way we learned uh, in in you know the coal coal region of Pennsylvania, because that's exactly what you looked forward to every Monday. So you just dealt with it. But I think that there was, um, and, and getting more time to hunt. So, you know, I think that's what I value the most because you look forward all year. And when you don't hunt anything else besides, uh, the first day of rifle season in Pennsylvania, along with 17 million other people, Mm -hmm. right. And you're in school, and, you know, even when you go to college and, and then you're working, it's hard to get that time off to, to be able to to go out. You might get out one time. So, with archery season, it allowed me to hunt more.
0: Gave you more opportunities. Correct.
1: Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it became fun.
0: So, now that you're able to get more opportunities uh, to get out in the field, what was the learning curve like for you?
1: Well, Equipment-wise, it was a big learning curve, uh, you know, because hunting archery was just so different. Um, for me, with with be participating in the drives, I mean, you 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 have a deer could be running at you thirty miles an hour, so you know you're you're just trying to put a good shot on and get lucky. There's more patience with archery season, so that was something that I had to learn. Right, you know, it, why why is that deer all the way out there? Why is it not closer? You know, there's 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 it is a huge learning curve, but it's two different seasons,
0: two different styles, completely different styles of hunting. Right. Now, let me ask you this: So, when you kind of really got into archery hunting, did you struggle with getting deer in range?
1: I did. I that was one thing that, yeah, I I I would say that uh, I was getting busted quite frequently you mm-hmm. know and that that's very frustrating um now i'm a now i'm a scent freak mm-hmm. so you know I, I really vow that's that was another learning curve i mean you know just just
0: because it doesn't matter when you have a gun for the most part like
1: right i mean i saw these within range right and i saw these guys you know going out there smoking a cigarette to see which way the wind was blowing and, you know, Mm -hmm. eating a ham and cheese sandwich and, and, you know, whatever you had to do when you were just out there. And then that, I, I, I learned quickly that you can't do those types of things when you're sitting in the woods for archery season. So that was a big, big learning curve as well. Um,
0: And the reason, the reason that I kind of brought that up is, uh, I've had quite a few hunters. Uh, reach out to me about getting into bow hunting and some of the first things that like i guess i try to reiterate to them is the the struggles that i had, right and i think every single hunter goes through that because you start out with a rifle and you get away with things that you normally well not normally you, you just don't get away with with the bow right and one of those is uh your scent and then the other is your stand selection so with a rifle you're usually wanting to be in an area where you can see a lot farther and that's not always necessarily the best situation with the bow
1: right right I think that uh that and that's a big thing and you know my brother-in-law discussed this all the time and we were just constantly talking back and forth about you know I finally learned
2: that I you need food right right you need
1: cover You Mm -hmm. need water, and you need tail. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, and I and I mean tail in a funny way, but you know, you need mature doe, and that that was a learning process as well. As you know, when I first started in archery season, it was okay. Grab a bow, go out there. You know, look for a spot where you might see some deer sign, and hunt. Good luck to you. I mean, put a hang up, put a hang on on a tree or a ladder stand or whatever, and you know, you evolve learning for sign too. Yeah. I had no one teach me what a scrape was. I thought a scrape was a rub on a tree. Well, that's a rub. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, like here I am talking when I was younger, Hey, look at that awesome scrape. And I could have sounded like a complete fool to someone who really (laughs) knew what they were talking about. Right. So, um, you know,
0: that's cool though. Like I love hearing those experiences because, um, like with me being have, Having hunted for 20-some years, uh, it's like a breath of fresh air to, like, hear those experiences. Where it's not so much, like, really geared around, like, the, the nitty-gritty of tactics and the science of hunting and that kind of stuff. Because I had, again, multiple people tell me that they got into hunting later in life. No mentor. And they ran into the exact same things as you. I didn't know what a scrape was. I thought it was just tore up dirt. I didn't know that deer were making that. Right. I thought you could sit on a deer trail and that's the only way that they navigated through the woods. And that's as we know now that's not the case. But I find it super super interesting that people think like that. But you don't know what you don't know, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean if you don't have listen, you could do <laughs> this was different than when we were kids, but you know, there you could figure anything out online. So, right. you know, don't that's the one thing I'll say is you know, don't hesitate to look things up. I mean, I've, I've looked, I've watched YouTube clips and I've watched, I mean, listen, YouTube taught me how to use a mouth call for, for, uh, Turkey. Mm -hmm. Right. So like the, I didn't have someone teach me this stuff. I've learned from friends. I mean, we've talked a lot over the the last couple of years, my, uh, in-laws, my friends that I, you know, have and still have back home. Um, so don't be scared to look up and, and do those kind of things.
0: Do you think that, uh, especially nowadays, that there's potentially a little danger in there and that you have to kind of go through the information that you're deciphering uh, with a fine-tooth comb? Like, that, like some of that shit might be bullshit.
1: Yeah, I do. And I think that there's a lot of information out there, right? So, And that's with anything. I mean, like, you could—look, when you're a kid playing sports and, and everybody—there's 15— dads that are coaching you're hearing 15 different opinions right so like which one is the right one well you, you could see there's some genuine people out there right and i mean heck through through the service side app, app mm-hmm. and that application there's genuine people there that that's perfect for people to ask questions but sometimes i think and this is with anything you have to simplify things it, you know especially when you first start out because it could drive you nuts. Like I did this early too when I first started archery hunting. You know, I'm sitting there with my phone, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I use my phone in, <laughs> in the tree because there's so, I I you know I have ants in my pants, so it's hard for me to to sit. Anyway, that was a huge transition, by the way, from rifle to to um, bow. Yeah. Um. Get, you know talking about patience, right? But I think there's so many things you could read. And most importantly, you know, you could be reading about someone in Southeast Texas, what they do for whitetail, and you're sitting in the coal mines of Pennsylvania. Well, there's a little different. You know, th- th- there's a big difference there, right? I mean, the applications are a little different. The Habitats
0: different. The Terrain's different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the deer the, densities are different. The
1: hunting season in general is different, yeah. right? I mean, like, w- look, we're basically at the end of ours, mm-hmm. and there's some states that are just getting on, you know, just getting ready to go.
0: Yeah, so, the ruts just cranking up, right? Like down south, absolutely. Right.
1: So you know, you got to be careful in that sense. You, you really got to be careful what you read regionally. Talk to people that. Know what they're doing in your region. That's a, that's a big thing, man. That that really is because, listen, there's always someone someone out there that has some sort of answer to your question.
0: What do you think is the best way to go about finding a mentor?
1: Well, you know, in in anything in life, I mean, networking is really the best way. You know, get out there. That's why this app is so important, right? Because it it, it allows people who maybe socially don't network in the same way, right? So Ask, ask, ask questions. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions because, you know, I I feel like a lot of hunters are perfectionists Mm -hmm. and that's where we get back to the serious part about hunting. Mm
0: -hmm. And And, egos get involved.
1: Yes. Egos get involved. And it's almost like, you know, we talk, we laugh about this. Um, My father-in-law and I laugh about this, but, but there's no real sometimes there's no real fr- friends when it comes to hunting right like you know someone saw a massive buck but did they real are they really going to tell the whole village that they saw a massive buck so uh, you got to you got to take people with a grain of salt of mm-hmm. course but there's genuine people out there and you know that's why this app is so great because i think that that's a good way for people to ask questions and and you know even region to region
0: yeah absolutely and uh we are actually breaking down kind of just to piggyback off a of decker. We're breaking down the app more and more the more people that uh download it with regions, So like you can you can uh ask questions specifically geared towards um your region.
1: Right. I mean that's that's you know that's that's just an important feature and that's something that we, we of course never had as kids. Right. So it was about going to school on a tuesday or wednesday and asking everybody what they saw on monday and that was basically the existence of your hunting season <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: uh so i guess
1: well let me ask you i mean like how did you get it i i you know honestly i don't know if i've ever heard anyone ask you but how did you get into hunting
0: so i got in kind of to the outdoors just in general, at an early age, my grandfather got me into it. And like, I remember being at home, he'd take a trip to like West Virginia or upstate Pennsylvania, come home with the deer, and like, I couldn't wait to see it. And it, like, the West Virginia trip was always the week before Thanksgiving. So he'd come home Thanksgiving morning, and then there'd be a buck in the back of his truck. And like, I have very, very vivid memories of that all through my childhood, and I couldn't wait till I was 12. Well, once I turned 12 he basically mentored me and guided me through my hunting career if you want to call it a career but just my hunting experiences All Right, this is how you read sign this is how you do this this is how you do that and then as I got older and older I just built upon that foundation
1: right and so like there's a there is a situation where we differed right so you mm-hmm. actually had a mentor growing up and And someone that was able to teach you the correct way to hunt and the ethics of hunting and everything else. And you waited till you were 12 and, and took your hunter safeties course and all that stuff, which we all had to do. And, um, whereas I didn't have that mentor. So I relied on friends, uh, you know, sure. and so it's funny because we were all kind of learning at the same, together at the same level, like, I I I think hunting is the one thing where you could really really learn from your mistakes.
0: Oh, without a doubt. And
1: you're going to make a ton of them. And especially early. You know, you are going to make so many mistakes, but it's a it's a matter of if you're going to learn from them or not.
0: And I I that's that's funny that you bring that up. I say that all the time. So I think this kind of goes into the the aspect of what you said about researching and trying to learn. Don't discredit like your own experiences. Think about what you screwed up, how, what you could have done better. Like every time I go into the woods, I'm thinking, all right, what could I have done better? What could I have changed to maybe have been successful or like what would I have changed? And I think about those things and then apply them. That's the other part is actually applying. Those. Right. And that has tremendously made me a better hunter.
1: Yeah, I mean it, and and again, like think about this. It, it all it also teaches you life lesson, right? We make mistakes in life and at at our job and everything else, but like you're not going to just quit because you made a mistake. You know, if you're passionate about it, and and uh, you know you keep going, but again, you learn from those, and and they're going to happen. I mean, that is just a that is just something that I it it's very frustrating when you first start to hunt. There's no doubt about it. Um but you go home and you think about it and you you know think about what you could do next and and all that and ask questions right like hey man this happened to me what do i do i mean i I've, I've done that heck i can't i can't even i've asked you a, uh, a bunch of questions mm-hmm. you know like hey oh, man like this happened to me so what do i do to fix it
0: no you're exactly right and it's nice having that and again like you said you can get that on the app but it's nice having that person that you can bounce those questions, those ideas off of.
1: Right. It's so like that leads me to asking you, you know, you had the mentor, right? For for someone like me that doesn't didn't grow up with that mentor hunting wise. How would you go about?
0: So <clears throat> I guess in my situation, I can like kind of rewind back. So my my grandfather got sick like right around when I was uh sixteen, seventeen. And then to me, I feel like that's at least in my situation, that was like kind of a transition where I really got into bow hunting. And I took hunting a little bit more serious. From sixteen to like twenty-five, I relatively had to learn on my own. And for a person that has to go through something similar to that, building your foundation, understanding animal behavior. So I guess this, this ties into it too, is like one of the things I had going for me is I went to school for wildlife and fishery science. So I know animal behavior. I know animal habits. I know animal characteristics, um, just through school and that, that kind of training. And I was able to apply that stuff to the field. So I don't think there's, I don't think there's a replacement for one time in the field and then two understanding animal behavior. So once you're able to figure those kind of things out or at least add those tools to your tool belt, all the other stuff falls into place. The tricky thing is when it comes to like the actual uh, techniques, I guess. So like, let's say, how do you know how to properly shoot a bow? How do you know to uh, properly hang a uh, hang on? Um, Understanding wind direction, understanding thermals, that kind of stuff. That's where you need to get on platforms and ask questions. You need to reach out to people and you need to go out and seek that information on your own because unless you're asking those questions, you're not going to learn those things.
1: No, and you know it, that's when you're really getting into to you know the serious part of bow hunting, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll use you as an example, you've evolved where you know a lot of people don't do this, but for you, I mean, like spot and stock, right? That's your, that's, that's kind of, I feel like that's you, right? When I think of that. So you've Mm -hmm. evolved into that. Like you're, you've, you've always been able to take it to the next level of things where some people are simple, right? Well, hunt on an edge of a cornfield and blah, blah, blah. You've, you've taken it to that different level and so I guess I could ask you I have never really asked you but what what made you hunt, want to hunt that way?
0: So um I look at hunting and you and I both have grown up in sports, right? Right. So think about like I was a little better. Uh, I don't know about that. But anyway. <laughs> uh think about like sports. You constantly always have to be improving your skills. Otherwise people are going to catch up. Right. It's the exact same way with hunting. I hunt primarily public land. So if not if I'm not improving my skill sets, other, I'm going to have a harder time being able to harvest animals just because of the competition from other hunters.
1: Right. Right.
0: And that's really the way I look at it. So what are more tools that I can add to my tool belt? What are more things that I can do to uh, put the odds in my favor?
1: Right. And again, now, you know, that's a big discussion too. And, and we'll, we'll probably, you know, it's inevitable. We'll, we'll talk about this. I'm sure a ton growing up having to hunt public land (laughs) as opposed to being able to hunt private land, right? I mean, that's, we've done that because we weren't able to have our own properties, right? Our our own land. And especially growing up in Monte city, I mean, you, you didn't have that outside of there. So you really did have to hunt public land unless you did some door knocking and, but that really teaches you how to evolve as a hunter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, in my opinion, when it comes to like the whole public versus private, there's a lot of variables that go into that. I mean, especially here in Pennsylvania, you get access to private land. There's probably 20 other hunters that have access to that private land. Right. So really, it's no different. Like, let's say it's 150 acres. Right. But it's no different than hunting public land. Now, if you potentially are fortunate to uh, marry into a family or your family has money or you're you have money and you're able to buy land right like that's a totally different scenario but i would say the majority of the time that's not the case
1: well i i kind of learned the hard way about uh you know thinking i'm the only person on uh private land especially during turkey season yeah right so <laughs> you're like yeah i got uh you know you go up the night before and you and you roost the gobbler and then you get there the next day and there's 55 people that had roosted the same gobbler as you and it's like all right well I'm going to McDonald's for coffee now um so you know it, again PA is a tougher state when it comes to that
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and, and again hey listen there's a lot of public land in Pennsylvania too and you know we've all had to hunt it and 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 you could you, you learn some pretty good stuff there especially scouting wise I think that that's uh you know go out look for sign you know the, I found it's funny because i never really got into this till I got a dog, which, you know, I originally got a dog so I could pheasant hunt. Right. And now she sleeps in bed and Mm -hmm. hangs out with the baby. And so like, you know, but I take her out shed hunting. Now, mostly I go shed hunting because, um, of exercise and, and I just enjoy being out, but finding sheds, especially, you know, on public land has taught me, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of been inclined to go back to those spots more. So I would say that too. Hey, listen, if you've never done it before, all it takes is two legs and you go outside and you and you walk through the woods, right? I mean, yeah. you know, walk around, take a dog with you or, or take friends. I mean, we've done it for, for a couple of years now. So, you know, it, it, and it's fun. You get out, you're outside, there's nothing going on really. And, um, and uh, look for sheds. I found, that's where I find a lot of sign to be honest with you.
0: No, and uh, that's a good point and uh kind of a great introduction. So like I use shed hunting kind of as my postseason scouting and the stuff that you find during shed season is the stuff that gets laid as far as a sign during the actual season. Right. So you can transition that information that you're finding and apply that next next season. But uh kind of what I was rolling into there, we're actually going to be hosting a postseason scouting workshop and then we're gonna tie it in with Basically, shed hunting as well. So, uh, we're going to have a couple guests that uh, I can't mention the names yet, but some really, really good hunters that we're going to split up into groups. And we're going to walk you through kind of our postseason scouting process, teach you how to read sign, uh, what kind of sign you should be paying attention to, what kind of sign you shouldn't be paying attention to, and also sh- shed hunt. This is all going to be on public land. So, I strongly recommend we're going to get it up here soon once we get the date narrowed down and the time, um, but it's going to be up in the A&F uh, to try to attend that.
1: Yeah. That, you know, again, if you're just starting out, that that's something very important that you'll want to, you'll, you'll learn a lot from that. I mean, you'll learn a lot about finding sign and the right sign and, and where to be. And you know, it's funny when I had first gotten the dog and uh, you and I were, would be shed hunting. I'd always have to ask you, are we going to be anywhere where there's water because if if there is I can't take blue. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Cuz we you know we we've taken her out and uh, she doesn't mind jumping in the icy water and it makes for a messy back seat. So it, I can't take her where there's water.
0: And for the listeners, Decker's dog is a uh, yellow lab. So
1: Right. Yeah, she's she's uh she's been a great dog and and like I said, you know, i love to upland hunt. And that's one thing in Pennsylvania that's kind of difficult to do. Uh, you know, it's 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 tough. You yeah, know. there's not much land. There's state game lands that do it, but you're also competing with a lot of people. So it, my dream as a kid was to have this bird dog, right? That I you know wanted to take out bird hunting and and all this stuff. And it, it lasted about three days, and I was like, ah, this is just this dog is she's not going to be out there running around. So I learned pretty quickly with her, but she does like going out with us and finding sheds and, and finding dead heads and stuff like that. So, you know, it's been, it's been cool to have her. I'm sure I'll bring her up, bring her up more often.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. doubt. Well, Decker, we're working on a half hour here. So for the audience, and if they want to plug in and get in contact with you, uh, talk to you, follow the stuff you're doing, what is your handle on the app and uh your instagram
1: yeah so i do have instagram and i obviously i have the app and i'm really really bad i'm not the typical millennial when it comes to technology um but christopher decker 89 that that's where you could find me on instagram um and as far as the app goes I have to look, tour <laughs> and put me on the spot there. Um, but I don't like I said I'm not great. It's at CJD zero seven five five. So that's where you could find me on the app. I got sixty followers. Not bad. Who who who's following me already? Love you guys. I'll follow you back. <laughs>
0: so uh, I'll have Decker's uh, contact information shoot him some questions he's a funny dude uh hassle him about his hunting experiences he'll be on much more podcasts here in the future excited to have him as a co-host uh thanks for hopping on and finally we got this this introduction wrapped up
1: yeah it's been great you know i might not have all the answers as far as hunting goes but i'm definitely someone that you could have a beer with at least (laughs) that's
0: for certain that's for certain so
1: thanks for having me and i i look forward to this journey and and uh really getting this ramped up so
0: absolutely all right thank you everybody for tuning in to the
2: whitetail theories podcast